Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, again, everyone, and welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by TNT Home Services. TNT Home Services, we got your six. Check them out at tntHomeServicesCO.com. Busy week for the Avalanche as we saw them on the road, win in Buffalo, and then lose in Boston on President's Day. They got throttled pretty good in Boston. And it's funny, I I look at this Avalanche team in in a way in which the, the standard of expectation from these guys and how they're going to play it so high that when they lose a game like that, lose any game, but lose a game like they did in Boston, it's like, okay, what, what do we make of that? And I choose to look at it from the positive as, you know what? Having a loss like that every once in a while isn't the worst thing because this team has been rolling along at such a high level that if I have any real concerns about this team during the regular season, other than injury, it's the idea of peaking too early. And when you have a loss like this, it brings everybody kind of back down to earth again. Suddenly these messages that the coaches have been trying to send, even after wins, and we've we've played a lot of Jared Bednar press conferences after wins in which he's like, well, yeah, you know, the second period could have been better and could have been a little bit sharper in this and a little bit better in that. And you know he's passing this stuff along to the team. But when you're just rolling win after win, you know there's a, a certain amount of, okay, coach, okay, coach, yep, yep, you know, we've won nine in a row. We've got, you know, 19 straight games at home with at least a point. These kind of streaks that the Avalanche have been putting together for the last couple of months. Well, when you lose a game like that, now all of a sudden, Jared Bednar and the coaching staff, they're armed with something legit that they can come back to the team, and the team kind of is like, all right, yep, yep, you're right. Yeah, maybe we kind of let that one slide for a while. Let's kind of refocus. Let's sharpen things up, and let's go back at it again. So, you know, you look at this Avalanche team. This was really their worst, their first worst loss of 2022 since the calendar flipped over to 2022. you got to go back to a loss in, in Nashville, and that was right before the COVID shutdown in which they got beat kind of uh, uh, handily. Honestly, you know, you got the game in Toronto, but there's only been a few games where they've just gotten beaten soundly. And, and that just speaks to how dominant they have been. So losing like they did, they were they were an automatic lock to bounce back the next game against Detroit, which they did, and they won in convincing fashion. Uh, hopefully, uh, people took advantage of that one. Uh, if you're now wagering on games, which uh, you, you can do, boy, I think that one was uh, automatic. Thank you very much. Uh, but the Avalanche bounced back as we we figured they would. Detroit in Detroit, and it's amazing, isn't it? the The rivalry it seems like it wasn't that long ago, but it was a long time ago, right? I mean, you're talking a good. What, 18, 18 years or so, 19 years ago, uh, since this rivalry was really at its its apex and it was as heated and as hot. I mean, really, you got to go back 20 years 
uh, for for the, the the real bloodshed moments and everything like that that put this rivalry on the map. It was a chance seeing the Avs in Detroit the other night, a, a chance for nostalgia, a chance to think back. And it's funny because there's a generation of Avalanche fans and Red Wing fans who are, you know, of a certain age who don't remember what that rivalry was like. Uh, probably have a hard time understanding what all the fuss is about. Certainly the players, the current players, Avalanche and Red Wing players, have, have no real knowledge of it. So it is something that we get a chance to to reminisce about, but it is fun to reminisce. Man, that rivalry, it it was unlike anything I've ever seen. And I got my first introduction to it. I was living in Dallas. I was there between 96 and 98. And the the Avalanche-Red Wing rivalry, when it burst on the scene, I was living in Dallas. Of course, I'm a hockey fan, but I'm living in Dallas. Not exactly a hockey hotbed, right? No matter what Dallas Star fan tries to tell you. Not exactly a hockey hotbed. I was a bit of a hockey snob while I was living in uh, in Dallas. But uh, a friend of mine, roommate, was a big hockey fan as well. And so we found ourselves, you know, out one night, you know, went for a burger and a beer. And, and we're watching this, this Avalanche Red Wing playoff game. And we're like, what is this? And at the time, I had no idea that Denver was in my future. It wasn't on my radar yet. So it wasn't like I'm really paying attention. I'm just I'm just watching this stuff as a hockey fan. I'm like, holy smokes, this is incredible. I mean, look, look at the intensity. Look at the hatred. But look at the hockey. And I think that's sometimes when we think about the Avalanche and the Red Wings, we think of the fights. We think of Darren McCarty. Oh, of all the people. We think of Juan Osgood. We we think of, I can't believe I shook his freaking hand. We think of the legitimate bloodshed. But at the at, you strip all that away, the hockey was sublime. The hockey was so good. And you look up and down those rosters, and the rosters just dotted with all-stars and future Hall of Famers. It was, it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Um... And and I was just transfixed by it. And, it. and it was to the point where it captured people's attention and imagination, hockey fans, even in a place like Dallas. Because as that series went on, my my roommate and I, we're, we're back. Like, this, this is can't-miss TV. And we're back watching, and, and the crowds kept growing. And more and more people who weren't Avalanche fans or weren't Red Wing fans were there just to watch it because it was so good and it was so compelling. And the drama and the the genuine animosity, the great hockey, it it was amazing. And then to be able to come here and step right into the middle of that and to be able to cover Avalanche Red Wings and to see what those games were like, to see him here, but to also be able to go out to Detroit. We got to go out to the, the Joe a couple times for playoff series, playoff games. My goodness. I mean, just the 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 the, intent, the cauldron of intensity was was amazing. Oh, it gives me goosebumps just just thinking about it and talking about it right now. So it was something. It was really something. And and you know, I think back on that rivalry and the. I mean, that's a rivalry, right? You, you get you get two different types of rivalries. You get the rivalries where it's driven by the fans, right? You know, as fans, we look at. 
um, Broncos, Raiders. We look at Bears, Packers, or whatever like that. We look at uh, Auburn, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan. Those are rivalries that are kept alive and sort of um, fed by the fan bases. The players who play on the teams, they're aware of it, but I think they pay proper lip service to it. But do they really, really live the rivalry like we as fans do? Do they hate the opposing players? Like we threw it out on the, the Schler at that Evans show the other day about the some of these rivalries that maybe still exist in sports today that you would think of as being, you know, white hot and people are bringing up, um, you know, Red Sox, Yankees and stuff like that. I'm like, come on, the Red Sox and Yankees rivalry, just like the Broncos Raiders rivalry, that, that, that's all in the minds and imaginations of the fans. The players, I mean, do you honestly think that Bronco players and Raider fans, uh, Raider players right now really hate each other? Uh, Red Sox and Yankee players really hate each other? I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find many rivalries in sports where the players have the kind of genuine hatred uh, for each other like you saw with Avalanche Red Wings back in the day. Man, it was special. Probably won't see anything like it again. Certainly, certainly not the combination of animosity, hatred, but outstanding play when you took all that other stuff away. You could have had Avalanche Red Wings a rivalry that was just based on the hockey, and it would have been uh, a must-see TV. Add in all the other stuff, man, it was been following sports a long time, covering it, a fan, my whole life. Avalanche Red Wings rivalry at its heat, man, to me, I think it's one of the top three rivalries I've ever seen. I I grew up in the Northeast, in New England. For me, uh, Lakers-Celtics, Red Sox-Yankees. I put the Avalanche and the Red Wings right up there with those historic uh, noted rivalries. So tough to see it in the state it's in now, but once they moved to the Eastern Conference, you kind of saw the writing on the wall, and now it's uh, it's just a couple of games. It's just a couple more games in the big 82, as I ta- call it, the 82-game schedule, just a couple games. But uh, still, for, for, for a lot of us, still evokes uh, a lot of memories. I... I one other thing, too, brought this up on the, the show the other day, and I was talking about the super high expectations for the Avalanche and the idea that it's Stanley Cup or bust for the Avalanche. And I got some pushback from a couple of listeners who said, hey, man, I it, it if you create such high expectations like that, it's going to lead more than likely, unless you just win it all, to a lot of disappointment. And I don't want that. I want to be able to enjoy this team. I don't want to be able to have this better do this or else type uh, anvil hanging over my head. And it does lead to an interesting question. And, and one I'll toss out and let you think about it. And if you want to respond to me, please do. But how do you feel as a fan about the idea of Stanley Cup or bust when it comes to uh, the avalanche this year? Are you okay with those kind of expectations? Now, the the team itself, Joe Sackick, Jared Bednar, they have not shied away from the idea that they are in a Stanley Cup window. In fact, I think Jared Bednar understands, hey, I probably need to get this team to the Stanley Cup Finals or I may not have a job 
next year. I may move on. Joe Sackick may look at me and say, hey, good coach, good regular season coach, but he's not the guy to take us all the way over the hump. So Bednar understands it. I think there are plenty of fans, I think especially fans who lived the Avalanche Stanley Cup days back in the late 90s, early 2000, and knows what a Stanley Cup contending, winning team looks like, knows what the feeling of winning a Stanley Cup is all about, and looks at this and says, yeah, this team can do it again. Why not? They should do it. And you know what? If they don't do it, there should be some some consequences. But the Avalanche, the last Stanley Cup was 2001. We're two decades removed from that. And as I said earlier, just like that there's a new generation of fans that have grown up following the Avalanche who don't necessarily know what all the fuss is all about when it comes to Avalanche and Red Wings, maybe look at this season, this team in a different way as well. That, hey, why should we attach such pressure to this season in order for it to be deemed a success or not? You know what? That And I can respect that, and I can respect the idea that you just want to enjoy the team, you want to enjoy the wins, you want to enjoy the ride, and if it doesn't end up in a Stanley Cup, well, okay, come back again and try it next year. It it just depends, I guess, what kind of view, what kind of definition you have as a fan. And I, I can respect all kinds of definitions of fandom. You know, for some, being a fan means you are 100% supportive of your team. It does not change. You are not going to say... Uh, a, a crossword about that team at all. It's only positive. It's only about rooting for that team. Others, and, and maybe this speaks to my cynical New England upbringing, but I'm not alone. I think that there are, there are fans of, uh, from other parts of uh, the, the, the country that you come from where, for me, honestly, I believe being a fan means today I can love my team and tomorrow I can hate my team. I can love my team today and I can be ticked off with them tomorrow. And to me, the reason that I don't have a problem riding that roller coaster is that I do invest a lot. Maybe not as much now that I've been in the in the profession for almost thirty years. Maybe I don't I don't have the sh- pure unadulterated uh, fandom uh, that I, that I once had, but I had it. I had it once. You know, I mean, I was I was like that as a kid, teenager. And I, man, I would pour so much of me into rooting for my teams that when things didn't go well, man, I'd be crushed. Um, I'd be sad. I'd be mad. I'd be um, bummed out. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd walk around in a funk for days, or I'd be really mad and change and fire this guy and trade this guy. And to me. I was always okay with that. I guess the way I rationalize it is that, you know, the the emotion that I would feel after things didn't go well made those moments when it did go well and you did win and you did win it all. I don't know. It just made it even more special for me, more satisfying. So that's just me. And then maybe there are some of you listening that identify with me exactly the same way. You're You're exactly the same way. Maybe there are those of you who look at being an Avalanche fan and say, no, I'm not going to put Stanley Cup or bust on these guys. I'm not going to put that 
either you win it all or it's a bust of a season uh, on this team. I just I I don't want to do that, and I can respect that. I really can. I, I guess my and I'm not here to try to win you over, um, but I guess the one thing I would I would ask you is this is pro sports, right? This isn't college. It's not amateur. It's not high school. It's pro sports. Uh, the job, the job that you are paid to do is to, yeah, it's to go out and entertain, sure, but you are paid to do your job at a really high level. And if enough people are doing their job at a high level, you win. And when you win in professional sports, the expectation is win it all. And plus, we are talking about hockey. And hockey, more than any other pro sport, charges more for their tickets than any other sport does. So, again, it's pro sports. For me, with with what you're charging, the idea that guys are getting paid millions of dollars uh, to go out and do their job, if you got a team that's built to win and a team that, that looks like it, it can and should win, then I'm, I don't have any problem with attaching some expectations to that team, some standards to that team, and consequences if those standards aren't met. And for this Avalanche team, as somebody who was lucky enough to be in the Pepsi Center, that Game 7 when they beat the New Jersey Devils to win the Stanley Cup, my God, what an environment that was. What a feeling that was. It is something I'll never forget. And you know what? For me, this is me, but when you get a chance to experience something like that, you want to experience it again. And when you think you have a team, like I think this team is capable of doing it, then, yeah, I I do put that standard. I do put that expectation on them. And if it's not met, it it will be a disappointment. Uh, to, to say that the season – and I'm not look, – look, enjoy the ride right now. Enjoy the regular season. Enjoy the records. Enjoy the point streaks. Enjoy all that stuff. But for me, and I think uh, you know, some of you listening, once that regular season is over, once the playoffs start, it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's time. It's time. This is the standard. This is where I have the bar set. Go meet. And if you don't, then – there are going to be some consequences. All right. As always, love to get your feedback. You can hit me up on Twitter at MikeEvans1043. You can um, text me during the show, Schlereth and Evans, 303-713-1043. If you ever have any feedback on the podcast, just, just hit me up and say, hey, Mike, I was listening to the podcast, and uh, here's what I think. Again, thank you so much to TNT Home Services. We got your six. Proud sponsor of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Thank you so much. You can reach out to them, Ronnie and Laura Thornton, the husband and wife co-owner team at TNT Home Services. Check out their website, tnthomeservicesco.com. They got some great promotions running right now. Uh, Please check all those out and know that whatever issues you have under your roof, whether it's plumbing, heating, uh, cooling, or electrical, TNT Home Services can take care of you. That'll do it for the Mile High Hockey Podcast. We'll see you again next week.